Merry Cage Miss, everyone. Tonight, <laughs> Santa Cage has brought Outcast. Ho, ho, ho. Is it a president under president? Is it a president <laughs> under the cage tree or a lump of coal in our cage stocking or a president? I Is don't there know. a president under the cage tree? <laughs> oh my Tell God, me. someone's murdered this president. <laughs> We're all suspects. everyone and welcome to the flop house i'm dan mccoy whoa dan mccoy from the flop house podcast y- y- yeah <laughs> okay well i'm Stuart wellington from the flop house podcast whoa Stuart wellington from the flop house <laughs> you podcast? heard it here first buster <laughs> hey guys if you're excited about that get ready for elliot kalen of no, the flop house no way meh <laughs> that's fair that's fair <laughs> Um, wow, you spoke, unimpressed. <laughs> spoke with the voice of America just then. <laughs> that don't impress me much. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Um, <laughs> so, guys, we do a podcast here, right? Yeah. On this podcast? Oh, yeah, we do do a podcast. Doo-doo. Um, Dan, what do we do do on this podcast? We watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. And it's called the Flophouse Podcast, starring me, Stuart Wellington. Established. <laughs> Asked and answered, counselor. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Whoa. They live no shenanigans over here. Yeah. Shut your pie hole. We're moving on. Wow. Is he like in his his parents were Asian and Irish? No shenanigans? <laughs> yeah. I think I just stole a Bob and David bit. Oh, uh, just erase did. that. Just erase No, no. It. You can say something is no shenanigans. It's all right. I stole a Judge John Hodgman bit just a moment ago. And I steal everything because it's me, the cat, the world's <laughs> oh, greatest no. jewel thief, <laughs> okay. Dan. Stuart, hey. secure your earrings. <laughs> Too late. His ears are now bare as the day they were born. But this fine jeweled brooch I'm wearing. Dan, why don't you check your chest and see if there's any hair left? Well, all right. I'm, whoa! That's right, because I'm a creepy thief. <laughs> How did you even do this? Uh, it's a trick of the trade. <laughs> that trade, the human hair trade. I'm also a seller of wigs, in addition to being a thief. Boy, oh boy, it's hard to survive in the wig business. It helps that I'm a criminal. Mostly Merkins, I assume, <laughs> since it seems like you're... Uh... Interested in body hair. Only over. because I was such a love of the film, of the Broadway star Ethel Merkin. Uh, this is a podcast. Oh, and wait, of course, indie, indie, com- indie comedian Eugene Merkin. We did this already. Uh, this From Bob's pod- Merkins? <laughs> very different show. This is a, a, uh, it's a bad movie podcast. A very special time of year. It's Cage Miss. Yay! The happiest time of the year when we celebrate our Lord this and Savior once a year. Nick Cage. Yes. Yeah. Except when we also do Cage Miss in July. Okay. Yeah. This happens two times a year. Sometimes now, in the past we've thrown in an extra Cage movie too. Because why not? Let's make it clear what our feelings are on Cage. Do we like Cage in our ironic sense? Mm-hmm. No. We are no. We like him in a real sense. In a real, mm-hmm. sincere sense. We are uh, raging Cajuns. <laughs> <laughs> it's yep. the only way to put it. As established. <laughs> Full of gnawing spices. <laughs> Zatarans indeed. Mm-hmm. Zatarans all around. Uh, uh, wench, wench, bar wench. Uh, Zatarans for me and my fellows. 
I still don't know what that means. <laughs> it's just food. Okay. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I assume it's uh, ground up gators, spicy, spicy. Yeah, dry some gators. It's it's the, it's grind the, them the up. Little League baseball team, the ground up gators. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Nicolas Cage is someone I think we all have a genuine appreciation for as a great actor, and we also have a genuine appreciation for him as somebody who cannot say no to a film because of his financial needs. Mm-hmm. And so he'll do pretty much anything. And He blesses us with like five mm-hmm. movies a year. And it's kind Including of- sexual favors. Find him and ask him. <laughs> Just give him enough money. He'll do anything you want. Okay. That, wow, are you his manager now? We're entering That's slander right. and libel territory right now. You're his manager. I get 10% of the job, though. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, but he, so, uh, and he is also, he's not picky in the movies he chooses. Mm-mm. And he's also not picky in his acting choices, in that he will do. Just about anything to make a role, if not interesting, then at least ridiculous. Yeah, we've. I mean, we've mentioned that there's been some movies where he play. He doesn't bring much energy, and he tries to be like a slow simmering cage. Yeah, like that's Bangkok not dangerous. what we're looking for. Not and fun. luckily, that's not what's delivered in helping, heaping, helping spoonfuls for us tonight. <laughs> yeah, let's, hamburger helper. So this movie spoonfuls. we watched Out, Outcast. It doesn't in one Andre three thousand and Big Boy do not appear. No two. There's not a lot of Nicolas Cage in this. He's listed as a star, but he's really more of a, uh, it's almost more of an extended double cameo. But what he brings to the table is the ripest, broadest (laughs) English accent growl you've seen since like a high school or even elementary school production of Treasure Island. (laughs) Have you guys ever heard of the movie Executive Decision with Kurt Russell? (laughs) I have an interesting story about that. You see, it seems that the studio traded that for some other movie that I don't remember because the story's not interesting. Oh, that's fascinating. But that movie (laughs) boasts... And I appreciate you not interrupting me. (laughs) That movie boasts a certain Steven Seagal in it. Yeah, Seagull. And he disappears <laughs> relatively quickly. And I feel like, no spoilers, but Nicolas Cage kind of delivers the same sort of thing. Except he comes back. In what? A, oh. Sometimes you, they come back. Nicolas Cage is they. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long title for a Stephen King movie. Can we cut off the Nicolas Cage part? Because I feel like that also fences us in about what kind of movie we can make. Maybe we don't want to make a movie that has to do with just Nicolas Cage. Look, I've got a vision, and if that vision isn't complied with, I will walk. Uh, well, contractually, your vision doesn't matter. All right, well, I guess I'm going to go okay, on. Yep. Next time, I'll just write a movie for Mick Garris to direct. What's his name? Yeah, no, that's it. Mick Garris? Yeah. Mr. Tommyknocker's it. Mr. <laughs> Storm of the Century, for a second, I, I think. thought you were saying his name was Mr. Maybe, Tom E. Knockers, mm-hmm. which seems like a... Uh, like a like a softcore pseudonym. Yeah. He's a real master of horror. That's all I know. According <laughs> to the show Masters of Horror. Now, uh, is that yeah, the that's sequel a fun to fact. Masters of Sex or the prequel? <laughs> that's it's a true. prequel. Okay. Yeah. Because you got to get scared first to get all worked up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that how it works? It's mm-hmm. like uh, taking a date to a horror show. <laughs> A yeah. horror show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a Grand Guinal uh, right. stage show? I feel like, like a traveling dance. carnival where someone gets killed on stage and maybe they really got killed. Dan's like describing <laughs> the latest season of American Horror Story, maybe? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, babe, we're going to go see a snuff movie and then uh, then maybe you'll get all interested in me, huh? <laughs> you'll get all interested in me. <laughs> maybe you'll get all interested. Maybe you'll get intrigued by what is beneath my pants. <laughs> It will, it will pique your interest. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who this character is. Yeah, he's a pretty... Some kind of a, like a newspaper salesman from the, 
from like the 20s? Maybe he's an out-of-work astronaut. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so this movie, so Nicolas Cage is not in a lot of this movie, but he provides fun when he is. Uh, the movie begins. Smash cut. Smash cut. The movie tells us via titles that this is the Middle East in the 13th century. They could not be bothered to give us a specific city or year. No. They've only narrowed it down to a region and a century. It's like how some movies kind of leave the viewer in this kind of state of ambiguity to make them uncomfortable. Yeah, it's uh, just like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is like Images or Limbo, you know, Irreversible, one of those movies. Sure. Now, uh, the what it stri- strikes me more as a uh, lack of interest in research in that we're thrown into a crusade scene. Yep. Obviously. Yeah. Hayden Christensen, the other star of this movie, a star of the upcoming Star Wars, The Force Wakes Up. No, mm-hmm. I don't. Well, he's in it as as um, as Nicky Skywalker. Uh, I don't think this is. No, I don't think that's an, canon. An accurate. Star Wars number seven. Uh, wake up, Force time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> hey, Force, you got school. <laughs> starring starring Hayden Christensen as Christian Haydenson. <laughs> the name he checks into hotels under so that the paparazzi doesn't get him. Joke's on him. Paparazzi's not looking for him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he is a knight in some crusade. They co- and He's so, got a cool haircut. They didn't even bother to do the research to tell us the year of a crusade. It's Mm-mm. a historic fact which years the crusade happened in. He's got a cool haircut, and he's teamed up with Nick Cage, who is wearing a helmet with long chainmail. And and they're involved in some kind of a, like the sacking of a city. Of yeah. A, of a yeah. Middle Eastern that question city mark fired. city. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like the movie Up in the Air. Because because uh, blood is flying up in the air. <laughs> yeah. They're sacking a city, and Nick Cage has clearly lost his taste for the slaughtering of Muslims. Uh, and he's like, ah, oh, this is all, it's all crap what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. And Hayden Christensen isn't quite ready to accept that until he's massacred some more Muslims and then seen them uh, kill themselves to escape his unholy wrath. Whereas he sees it, holy wrath. Yeah. And we're, it's established that he is a super badass with a specifically the javelin. Oh man, give that dude a spear, everybody's toast. <laughs> because wait, he's making toast for everybody with the spear. Yep, he's putting them in the oven for a specific amount of time. <laughs> he's, he just he's puts, making his toast in the oven. He puts, <laughs> he's a weird guy. Yeah, I can't afford a fucking toaster, Mister Rockefeller. Look, this is the 13th century. Toaster ovens had not been invented yet. Only oven ovens. I guess that's fair. <laughs> but sliced bread had been invented. Oh, yeah. Everyone was still excited about it. Yeah, it was the biggest invention since itself. (laughs) They were like, sliced bread. This is the best invention since hand novels. You don't even know what those are because we don't care anymore because sliced bread is so much better. Yeah, Yeah, and nothing has superseded it since then. (laughs) Yeah, well, think about it. Hand novels sounds like a really bad off-brand, like, Cheetos variant. When they're like, I don't know, you use your hand, and they kind of look like novels. And their their mascot is like a bobcat with like a sunshade on. <laughs> Bob novels is what they call them. Bob novels. He's like Chester Cheetah, but not as cool. He's, he, he, but like, he's cleaner than yeah, Chester yeah, yeah. Cheetah. Like, he's got a clean house, and he keeps his taxes in order. Yeah, yeah, he's a He's a sometimes member of the PGA Tour. <laughs> That's how you know he loves snacks. <laughs> I'm happy. Now, it's a sport that doesn't require a lot of exercise. Now, Cheetos, they crunch pretty loud, but hand novels are pretty moist so they don't crunch. That's when you want a quiet snack, like during a golf game. Well, because you soak them in vinegar before you eat them. 
<laughs> for that smooth taste. <laughs> Hand novels, won't you? Anyway, they're they are uh, fighting through this town, and it's a bloody mess. In that the the editing is very unclear. Also, yep. the battle's pretty bloody too. Uh, and by the end of it, Hayden Christensen, he's not a feeling so good because he sees the the leader of the Muslim people they're fighting. Uh, his the leader's wife kills her children and then herself right in front of Hayden Christensen rather than allow themselves to fall into the hands of these barbarians. Yeah, the the opening kind of devolves into a sort of like like a fiery, violent like like it just kind of it kind of like the it kind of goes to black basically, right? That like it yeah. feels like we're lost in this hellscape, like at the end of sort of doom. Yeah, exactly. That's a good movie, sort of doom. Yeah. Um, and then, boom, we have we have the title. Yeah. Title credits, and, and then, then, boom. Three years later, just like in Brad. <laughs> three years later in the Far East. Now, what year is it? We don't know. Is it still in the 13th Why century? Why do even say three years later To establish, he's had a number of years just bumming around being a drug addict. Uh, it's three mm-hmm. years later in the Far East. Again, kingdom or country name, unnecessary. It's the Far East. And we are suddenly thrust into what appears to be a different movie as an aging, let's just say, Chinese emperor uh, names his young, kind of like 14-year-old second son, who is very peaceful and a little, let's just say it, weak. Yeah. He's kind of the Fredo of the brothers. Uh, yeah, he kind of seems dim. I don't like, he does not seem smart. There's not a lot to recommend him. He reminds And he doesn't clean his face very often. <laughs> well, that, he was on the dusty road. He was a gentleman, oh, of, the, he was a, a gentleman of the road, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dusty roads. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he names his younger son as his heir, not his older warring son, because the people need a leader of peace, not a leader of war. And he knows that his older son is coming to uh, demand the kingdom. So he gives the royal seal to his son and his daughter, who he charges with taking care of his very weak, very can't-take-care-of-himself son. His son just kind of, like, wanders through the movie as other people save him all the time. You know? Yep. And, and he's uh, got dirt on his face. It, when one Why point, are you so... <laughs> it really affected Stuart that in one scene he Let's had dirt on his face. the music. He's got the, dirt on that face. Is this a podcast where you just really come out really strong as an, a personal hygiene advocate? Just carry some moist wipes in your pocket, little bro. <laughs> Get yourself cleaned up. Like loose in your pocket? Like loose? <laughs> They'll dry out. Wipe? No, you get one of those like little packets that self-seals. <laughs> I don't- self-seals? <laughs> it's like that healing technology? Yes. It's no. like that healing technology. <laughs> so, so they uh Dirty Face. See his face is and not his yet big dirty. Sister. His face currently clean. <laughs> And his big sister, who is run out uh, through a secret hideaway, led by a monk who, since he is bald, you and know is wearing he, robes, you know, you know that know guy knows a, kung fu. He's a kung fu maniac, and he's going to take as down like ten guys. As soon as like, he shows up, guys. you're like, oh boy, what's <laughs> going to happen? Hope this Shaolin dude starts beating people up with his wushu. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in runs the bad guy son, the older son, who has just finished fighting a war or something. He wears black armor, which everybody wears in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he demands that the kingdom be his and then stabs his father killing him ever so lightly he yeah gets, just he, the tiniest he, amount just the little tip of his knife that's all he needs to poke in him and it just like kind of like tips his dad over the edge into death dumb. he makes a pretty good point though he comes in and he's like 
Uh, number one, I'm the oldest son, and like this was my birthright. And number he's two, he's like primogeniture, bitch. I've been uh, out <laughs> he's there. Freddy Krueger now. <laughs> <laughs> he's Freddy Krueger with the worst nightmare. With a real understanding of pre-modern legal systems. <laughs> well, your, young, your younger sons better get ready for a career in the priesthood. <laughs> They'll inherit nothing, bitch. <laughs> but number two, like he's been out there. Uh, on I the sounded front more lines. like. Uh, more like uh, Macho Man Randy Savage at the end. There. <laughs> yeah, Bonesaw will be will be king. Bonesaw's ready, bitch. <laughs> what if <laughs> Randy Savage had played Freddy Krueger? Very different character. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little more pageantry, more uh, a slightly <laughs> different hat, more of a cowboy. <laughs> Sunglasses would be. Uh, an amazing touch, a necessity. Though. I mean, Freddie wore <laughs> <Yeah>. sunglasses. Sunglasses <laughs> a necessity. Oh, that, that brings me back to the original song of the autumn. Dan, you were saying something? No, just like this other point is like, oh, I've also been going out and warring for you. Like, I've been on the front lines commanding You might as well armies. call me Warwick Davis yeah. for all the wars I've been fighting for you, Dad. <laughs> and so, like, it really does kind of feel like a like a kick in the nuts that he's like, uh, I prefer son Weeky McTuborn. <laughs> Thanks for securing my kingdom, son. Now, if you'll excuse me, shuffle off stage left while I make little boy no man the king. <laughs> little Dirty face little turd. <laughs> Why don't, I, why don't I make soft voice, soft hands, the king? Look at that, look at those hands. Never done a day of work in his life. If he didn't clip his nails once, wouldn't matter. He Everything's was, done for him. He was great in the uh, castle production of Annie, though. In the lead <laughs> As role. Annie and the dog. Was that Sandy? Sandy. Now, yep. thanks for putting down that peasant uprising and repelling the Mongol invasion, but the kid who's never even wiped his own tush is going to be running the country now. No, it looks like he's been wiping his face with that tush. <laughs> There's so much wrong with that. His face is the thing that he's wiping. He's He's certainly not wiping his face, Dan. Stuart has established that his face is dirty in one scene later in the film. (laughs) The unforgivable sin of a dirty face. Most honorable father, uh, I understand that your favorite Peanuts character is Pigben, but come on. Let me wipe my face. Mm, son, you're more of a Schroeder. You <laughs> shall not gain the throne. Schroeder, the most warlike peanut character. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess Lucy one is the most yes. warlike. Yeah. yeah. Lucy uh, or maybe Peppermint Patty. That's homophobic. What? Anyway, Dan, let's Yeah, continue. Snoopy's the most, he's the Red Baron, right? No, yeah, Snoopy is not the Red Baron. He's he is the Red Baron? He's after the Red Baron. Yeah, he's What's the he gonna War do? One flying he, he flies for... The French or British, I assume. Mm. I always assumed it was the French, because he's always in France. Now, did his doghouse I mean, have guns? He's a long way to Tipperary. Oh, uh, then, he's, then he's British. Maybe, maybe he's Australian. He's brought to England. Did his... He flies a sop with camel. Yeah, did his did his uh, doghouse have guns on it, or did he have to fire a revolver? At I his... mean, I don't know that he ever fires anything. He just gets bullet holes <laughs> in his doghouse. Yeah, well, he's not bad. a... I mean, he calls himself a flying ace, but there's not really any textual evidence to... It's a self-given title. <laughs> yeah. Now, do they do that whole flying ace thing as a response to, like, teens kind of falling out of touch with the peanuts, like the whole Bugs and Taz backward pants thing? (laughs) That's right. There's nothing that teens love more than the tales of the First Great War. (laughs) The First Great War? (laughs) The, uh, yeah, kids at the time were really into trench warfare, Mm -hmm. and Sparky Schultz was like, hey, there was a lot going on in the skies, kids. Look up from the from your Chuck Taylors. Yeah. <laughs> There's a sop with camo flying around. Peanuts. Yeah, brush the floppy hair out of your eyes and look to the skies. 
Fears is a great, a great comic. I know you love that's... your grunge music, <laughs> but maybe you're forgetting that, that uh, Eddie Rickenfoven, who was the was it, who was the American Ace? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, you're saying I feel that... like rerun was more of an attempt to like zazz up the strip for the kids. Rerun from Good Times. That's right. <laughs> oh no, that's what's happening, wasn't it? Um, no, I just I, Peanuts is such a great script, but like. Thinking back on it, that is one of the more inexplicable things that happens in it. Is this dog has a fantasy <laughs> that he's a flying ace in World War One? Here's one: and I've, his doghouse gets shot up a lot. I have two ideas about it. One, Charles Schultz was curious, interested in World War One, or mm-hmm. two, he read Garfield and he was like, "This cat loves lasagnas and hate Mondays. Oh, I should just give an animal a totally nonsensical, well, non sequitur, out of nowhere characteristic. Then a dog can be a World War One pilot." Seeing as Garfield didn't start until 1978. Uh, on my birthday, in fact, then I, I, I doubt it was the latter. Didn't realize I was talking to R.C. Harvey over here. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, happy birthday, by the way. Thanks. Garfield. Oh, wow. Let's get back this to the This is movie. a moment of silence for Garfield? <laughs> yeah, who sadly passed. He would have been 100 this I mean, week. Garfield will see you at the crossroads, buddy. <laughs> I mean, Garfield we'll out some lasagna is on the 37 street. years old. That's very old for him. <laughs> The oldest cat in the world. I'd hate Mondays I, I too, dude. Say. I don't know about that. What about like the Pink Panther? Uh, Sylvester? Uh, Crazy Cat? I'm count. I'm, the Cheshire Cat? I'm talking about real life cats. I'm comparing like to real life cats' <laughs> lifespan. Anyway, Dan's what musical, talking, uh, Real Life Cats, opens <laughs> on Broadway soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first production yeah. of Cats where they're actually played by cats. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, like going back memories to Memories the- <laughs> of a thing that happened five seconds ago, and <laughs> then think- not much before that. I think we go more like this. My meow, brain is too small. Meow, 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 meow. Runs off stage. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Mr. Mistopheles has fallen asleep in the sunbeam. <laughs> Don't wake him. It's adorable. <laughs> Greatest show on Broadway, raves Cat Fancy Magazine. <laughs> Yep, that was, that's their their brief on on stage segment that they yeah. never ran again. Yeah. <laughs> it's in it's in it's Taxi TV. It's Cat Fancy Taxi TV. Cat Dealy's Cat Fancy TV. <laughs> I'm Cat Dealy for Cat Fancy. Alexander Wolcott raves. I'm dead. I didn't get to see this show. Don't ask me. So speaking of movies, the Outcast. Okay. Now. Now the uh, so the prince who Dan makes a very good point has a much better claim to the throne. Why didn't they ever make a performance of Cats with like <laughs> Cat Williams and Cat Dennings and William Cat in it? There's still time. <laughs> There's still time. It's super easy. Cat and Stevens. Cat <laughs> uh, Spur, the friendly ghost. Is that some kind of cowboy yeah. feline cat spur? <laughs> Cats Cat, were the western coast. Catch me if you can. <laughs> Is that a movie? It's a movie. Yeah, a movie. A movie's going to star in a, in a play. People have never seen it before. It's a the DVD eighth box. The <laughs> so the, the prince and the princess are on the run. Uh, luckily, they wander into a bar where no one seems to mind that the prince and princess that everyone's looking after have walked in. Uh, and they, wearing the exact same outfits. They're not wearing in disguise their, their at all. princely raiments. Same in the same clothes. Their faces aren't even dirty yet. There's nothing about them to, <laughs> oh, man. to disguise them. Uh, they wander in, and the Black Guard, which is just the army that's loyal to the prince, mm-hmm. shows up and tries to arrest them. But that's when someone steps in. 
that someone, Hayden Christensen, in the form of a floppy hat-wearing, drug-doing, yep. dissolute former Through an crusader. opium fugue, he sees somebody's about to use his sword to kill somebody. He, he, he's, he, got, he's, a, he's, a, he's an opium master fighter. You know, in the drunken master tradition, like he is able to, through his haze, like take down a, a shit ton of people. Yeah, it's similar to how like Popeye does a shitload of spinach and gets all crazy. <laughs> That's right. He snorts and it. And then he like murders 20 dudes. <laughs> <laughs> With his fist. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Murder ramp. <laughs> <laughs> He's got those forearms like hammers. And then he just, he comes out and he goes, he goes, olive oil, what have I done? <laughs> Not again. Gah, 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 gah. It's the worst Popeye I've ever done. <laughs> I wake up with blood on my hands. Uh, uh. <laughs> Gotta get out of here. <laughs> Lisa oh, find Popeye. Him. You, you, you don't tell anyone about this. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, he... Did Popeye get that tattoo before... He got that tattoo before they were legal, right? Has, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Tattoos were never illegal. <laughs> yeah, they were totally illegal in New York for a long time. What? They, I mean, tattoo parlors, I think, were maybe not allowed. But if he, it wasn't like if you had a tattoo, the police would be like, no. round him up, throw him in the hooskull. <laughs> also, I'm part of the old Irish police force. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask, did Popeye get that tattoo before he was a sailor? <laughs> like it was aspirational. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you know, someday. His <laughs> arm is really anchor. swollen from the tattoo Why as do well. you have those anchors on your arms? Uh, these are fish hooks. <laughs> I'm a fisherman. <laughs> They represent that I worship Dagon, the god of the sea. I'm not a sailor. Anyway, so uh, he has exchanged his sword for food, and then the owner of the tavern hands the sword over to the leader of the Black Guard. Really, Hayden Christensen no longer has claim on that sword. It has changed owners, but instead he uses it to kill a bunch of guys and then also throws a spear through a guy's head into a pillar. Which is great. He leaves, not paying for his food. At that point, somewhere in this scene, we figure out that there's also a mysterious figure known as the White Ghost. Yes. Right? The um, White but it's Goat. The White Ghost, who is not Hayden Christensen? No. Okay. But we know he's a white guy who's maybe a ghost. His name, Catspur. <laughs> <laughs> now, Hayden Christensen, the, the prince and princess beg him to help them. And he's like, uh, 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 you know, he's a loser. And he leaves. But he still fights amazingly. And he's... He's he's really good with using objects that are right next to him mm-hmm. to fight people with. <clears throat> uh, it's almost like they shouldn't fight him inside the 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 eating establishment. Like they, they should just wait for him to come outside and fight him, so he can't like hit them with bottles and benches. Yeah. It's like they they like they trapped him in a battling warehouse. Mm-hmm. It's like how every single martial arts movie, as soon as uh, the characters go into a fish market, you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> Those poor fishmongers are going to lose a day's business at least. <laughs> Although, Someone's hopefully... Get a fish in the face. Hopefully, some of the assembled crowd who are watching the fight are going to get hungry watching the battle and buy a bunch of fish. Just just take a bite out of a raw fish. Yeah, or maybe afterwards they'll be like, I'd like to purchase that fish that that man was clubbed with. <laughs> Sell it on eBay. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, now we There's should've... a thriving fish market on eBay. Now, we should mention that Secondary monk... Secondary fish market. That monk that earlier that we said knows kung fu, we were not being racist. 
He totally kung fu's a bunch of guys, including a big fat guy with a beard and a mace that mm-hmm. Stuart fell in love with. <laughs> and unfortunately, Stuart was in the bathroom during the only fight scene where he really got to use the mace. Yeah. That was later in the film. So that monk is gone. It's a peek behind the curtain. The, the prince and the princess. Into the bathroom where I was sitting, missing the movie. Because Dan's <laughs> bathroom doesn't have a door. It's just a curtain. Very awkward. Mm-hmm. It's just a leather, a leather flap. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a clear plastic shower curtain. <laughs> yeah. So you can still see I the I could have seen the, the movie, but I had my hands over my eyes because I get scared in the bathroom because <laughs> none of my friends are with me. <laughs> it's such a specific bathroom fear need. Uh, so they they go, they eventually convince Hayden Christensen that he should join them, but I don't remember how they do it. They just kind of shame him into doing it. Um, do they offer him a reward? Like, Yeah, I know. It's, I think it's more that they see that Hayden Christensen sees that they're in trouble. So they ride off in one direction. He rides off in a different direction, splashes water in his face, and then he imagines the violence, and then he goes back. Yeah. He goes back to them, and then they have a weird exchange, and then they find a village that's burning. There's a village that's being burned, and uh, one little girl is left alive and is being kidnapped by a member of the Blackguard, and... Uh, useless Mick, no good at things. And do you prince. think at that point they're like, oh no, that member of the Blackguard's probably going to kidnap that girl, and I don't know, she probably doesn't have a family anymore. He might just raise her to be his own, and <laughs> she'll become a member of the Blackguard, I don't think that's perpetuating how it's a cycle happen. of Blackguard creation. I don't think that's how it's going to happen. And so, and so they, uh, they go to this village, and everyone's dead. The Blackguard is taking that girl. The kid who couldn't shoot straight Tries to shoot a bow and arrow at the this escaping the prince. marauder, the prince, at the escaping marauder, and fails. And Hayden Christensen takes that arrow and makes an insane shot. Makes arrow aid out of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he, pull, he pulls a real Legolas. Yeah, and totally snipes this chump. That was the name of the that that's the annual competition that they have in Scotland for the best girl Lego builder, <laughs> Legolas. <laughs> Also, one of the worst Legion of Superheroes characters. <laughs> that is a rough joke. Well, I had to pull us out of this Tolkien tailspin that you were bringing us into. Tolkien tailspin. <laughs> yeah, Baloo Sorry. the Bear is teamed up with Gimli. Yeah. Oh, man. To, oh, man. I guess. What, is Gadget like Matter or is that Rescue Rangers? That was Rescue Rangers, but there was that Bobcat Goldthwait type Lewis Lion. Do not Google uh, gadget yeah. rescue rangers image search because it gets fucking gross. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just some, her having sex with that fly. A lot oh of people's God. sexualities get uh, submitted at a certain point in their lives. Is all I'm saying. The Disney afternoon has a lot of questions to answer for. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough, gummy bears not popular among the fetish artists or anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that the gummy bears were all sort of. Sh- Shapes like actual gummy bears was the thing. Uh, I'm kind of into that, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Stuart has a gummy bear fetish. Very Zoftig. Mm -hmm, That's right. Clear. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. I I like somebody that is pretty transparent in their actions. Yeah. (laughs) And gummy. I like someone really (laughs) sticky. (laughs) Really. Like if I like, you know. like You're just writing my my Tinder profile right now, dude. Got it stuck in my hair, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with your gummy bears? So it's a bat or chewing gum or peanut, peanut butter to get that out. <laughs> <laughs> now they they so he makes this amazing shot and saves the girl. That girl 
Midas what joins them, joins their merry crew. <laughs> uh, Tipper Gore. <laughs> and now you know, know the rest, the of, rest the of the story. <laughs> uh, so you can thank Hayden Christensen for saving the woman who would put parental advisory labels on CDs. Uh, so she joins the, their, their noble gang, and she might as well not. Like, she is not a character in the film. She is no. just a background nobody who does not figure into any of the scenes. What are you negging her? Yeah. No, yeah. I know, not. I'm, it's She's a fictional character. It's Ellie. not her She's fault. Not go out this with is you. the fault of the screenwriter or director that they didn't cut this character completely. There's yeah. no reason for them to be in there. There's no interact. Like you would expect at least a friendship to be formed between yeah. the prince, and maybe her. a romance. Either that, or just like an opportunity for him to see the life of some of somebody less fortunate. In and his they talk about that for like a two seconds. Yeah. But then she just, she might as well disappear. She might as well disappear even though she's in the background. It is the film acting equivalent of like a mafia no-show construction job where she's just, she might as well just be sitting on a lawn chair in the background through all the scenes. But uh, they keep moving. They go from point to point. They narrowly escape being drugged by a bevy of busty ladies. Yeah. That's they, when things got exciting. Very I briefly, mean, there was a very cleavagey lady. And yeah. then she disappeared from the film. Because why couldn't she become a character that tags along as opposed to this nobody girl who does nothing? That was in the the multi-ethnic brothel where they try to trap everybody. Yeah, they try to drug Hayden Christ. They tie Hayden Christensen's wrists and he escapes by setting his bonds on fire. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a one-step... Uh, solution there. He just doesn't. He hasn't thought the, to the second step, which is. But luckily, the movie doesn't race. either, because immediately he's like, he's free. He's got a it sword. Everyone's to gonna get killed outside his room, and he escapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, these were the scenes when the prince's face was dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they wandered through a desert. <laughs> I remember those and scenes. Hayden Christensen ties a, a scarf around his face, and the prince and princess, who again are being searched for everywhere in the country by this elite squad of blackguard soldiers do not cover their faces. They do nothing to hide their identity. They're still wearing the same clothes they were wearing when they escaped from the from the evil prince. Like they, it is they it's like they, they don't are, even clean their faces off. <laughs> they don't even clean their faces off their heads. So they're unrecognizable. Are you taking money from Dove soap that we don't know about? What's going on? Yeah, yeah, moist to- oh, Dove's moist towelettes. <laughs> and Stuart just looks looks in the microphone and goes, by the way, this is the flop, episode of Flophouse brought to you by Clearasil, clear skin, Clearasil. Do you know, a lot of dust and dirt clogs your pores. That's where zits come from, Clearasil. You know, uh, acne really killed my uh, love life for a while until I cleared my face up with a little bit of Clearasil. Clearasil explains it all. Now, <laughs> continuing on. I was going to be the heir to a uh, popular, I guess, questionably uh, aged uh, uh, throne. (laughs) It sounds like very cheap wine, (laughs) questionably aged. (laughs) I was the heir to this throne, and, you know... Francis Ford Coppola's questionably aged wine. (laughs) All this dirt on my face is really preventing me from achieving my potential. We sell no wine before it's time, or maybe we do. (laughs) Is it a week old? Is it 12 years old? You don't know. We took the label off the barrel. (laughs) So, Stuart, you were saying... I don't remember. <laughs> You're doing that princess. I got distracted. Alone. Yeah, he was playing Rebecca Gayhart there for a second. Who? <laughs> doing a clear still ad. Lost me. Anyway. Wait, she was Noxima. Never mind. I forgot which uh, minor 90s starlet did which type of face cleaning yeah, thing. Yeah, explain it to me all, Clarissa. <laughs> Let's go. Let's-
Where? <laughs> like, out of this podcast. <laughs> okay. Right, goodbye, Let's fly away. Fly on by to a magical <laughs> land far away from Outcast. That's, well, we, that's a theme from the movie. That's right. <laughs> There's that karaoke scene. Nominated for an Academy Award. Now, <laughs> let's move. John Williams. Let's move. Not that John Williams, though. <laughs> no. It's spelled like Martian Manhunter John. Yeah, right? yeah. J O N N. Yeah. J With an apostrophe. On. The other thing he does it, the Martian Manhunter does it where he says, like, J, and then acts like it flew in the air and then lands, like, J. On <laughs> Jones. <laughs> now, they, let's skip ahead to the best part of the movie because why are we wasting our time with this stuff? They escape. There's a fight. Uh, Hayden Christensen has another fight with a bunch of bad guys. They but stick a sword he in does, his chest. He says, "Get thee, get thee to the Silver Mountain Bandits." Post haste. It seems they're heading for the Silver Mountain where there are some anti-government bandits they hope to fall in with. And now, my hope for a long time was that they would be led by Rufio from Hook. Mm-hmm. That did not happen. But we do get a fight, a very House of Flying Daggers fight scene in the woods mm-hmm. uh, where the Black Guardsmen are totally destroyed by these bandits. And we eventually learn... Or it's a little Return, return of the Jedi. It's a little like they're the Ewoks. Yeah, yeah. And they're a force-based insurgent force. I mean, that's Robin Hood, too. Yeah, sure. And Robin Hood kind of... Robin Hood, too. Ewoks. Yeah, Robin Hood, too. Robin again. <laughs> Back in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> He's there with the leprechaun. Really, leprechaun in the hood really sounds different when it's Robin Hood. So is the leprechaun having sex with Robin Hood? What is what is happening Wait, in this what? movie? It's called Leprechaun in the Hood. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> or is he just wearing a hood? He's inserted his entire self into Robin he, Hey, in Leprechaun in Space, he jumps into a guy's penis. <laughs> what? <laughs> You should see them like, literally or figuratively. Elliot. Literally. <laughs> Are you sure you don't mean figuratively? I'm very sure. I mean literally. What would figuratively <laughs> mean? It's like Vince Vaughn in the movie Swingers, where he jumps hey, into jump jump my penis. penis. <laughs> hey, quit, like jump, weird... quit jumping into my penis, dude! I didn't ask for a catheter. Quit jumping into my penis. <laughs> I guess that's like. Cock blocking, I guess. Yeah. What are you doing? Jumping into my penis. It's cock filling. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Now, anyway, moving on. There's one moment so in the forest this, fight. There's this ri- forest fight where the Silver Mountain Bandits. <laughs> <laughs> which, which Stuart and I decided were also kind of a country western southern rock fusion band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Silver Mountain Bandits led by uh, Dusty Bandit. Uh, <laughs> luckily, they so they ambushed the Black Guard and luckily... They confuse everybody, including the viewer, by wearing all black. So everyone, you have no idea who's a goodie or who's a baddie. Everyone looks the same because they're all wearing black with black masks. There is one great moment where a guy gets a rope tied around him and he's lifted up in a tree and then two arrows fly at him from different directions. <laughs> and it's like, how many people are dedicated to fighting this one guy? Uh, but the heroes are taken in. They're all beaten up and bruised. And Hayden Christensen had a sword put in his chest, yep. which did not kill him because he's stronger than the king. And it is revealed to us who is the king of the Silver Mountain Bandits, who the, is the white ghost themselves. I have no and idea. I'm on the edge of my seat. What could be the only thing that might save a scene oh, in the movie? Nicholas Cage is back. Mm-hmm. Is he missing an eye? Yes. Does he have snakes wrapped around each of his hands? Yes. Has his English accent gotten worse since mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie? Oh, yes, by far. He's like, at this point, he is just like if Bluto was pretending <laughs> to be a gentleman to woo olive oil. I mean, they're like... His 
his accent has three flavors, which is normal Nicolas Cage, uh, British, and sort of Scottish. But they're all like I would throw in also like a bear growl. Yeah, I would throw pirate in there too. <laughs> no, it's all filtered through bear pirate. <laughs> and his his costuming <laughs> is not too far from what it feels like. He just read a lot of Mike Mignola Hellboy comics, and he's like, I want to look like Rasputin with these tentacles for hands. I'm gonna be holding onto snakes in all these scenes, please. And I'm gonna have like my hair swept back in kind of a ponytail, like Hellboy. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have uh, a big scar on my eye. I do not want an eye patch. I want to show the world that I can act like a guy who has one eye squinted the whole time. And they like say, Popeye. <laughs> all, all roads lead to Popeye. <laughs> Popeye town, that is. <laughs> the central town. Now, uh, that the eye makeup also is very cheap and poorly done. And it looks a little bit like they, they had two options. Either a store-bought... Halloween scar piece of makeup or the makeup woman could just take her lipstick and draw a red slash over his eye so they were like you know what the Halloween makeup doesn't look great so we'll just do that but he manages to bring a level of cartooniness to his performance that at least makes it fun when he's on there's a part where he is he's he was the one it turns out who taught Hayden Christensen how to fight as a boy mm-hmm. now Hayden Christensen is t- trying to teach the prince how to use a bow and arrow and Nicolas Cage is just drinking out cycle of... A, cycle of violence continues. Mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage is just drinking out of like a like a canteen full of whiskey, watching this, just talking like he is the sea captain from Tintin. Like he's just so, <laughs> such like a, like, a, like a laughing bruiser. But uh, he's, alas, not long for this world. As the Black Guard catches up to the Silver Mountain Bandits in their hidden mountain caves, uh, there's a big fight... Nicholas Cage goes out and fights a bunch of guys. There's so there's an army of about 50 people, let's say. 10 of the guys fight Nicholas Cage and he kills most of them, while the other 40 just stand and watch. Mm-hmm. And uh it's a very weird moment where you're like, why are not all these soldiers trying to help because do they not notice that he's killing a bunch of their men? Yeah, or? you'd think the other soldiers would be like, I'm going to have some explaining to do to that guy's wife. I mean, this is, I mean <laughs> so you, wait, you just stood there and watched? It was kind of the rules of the battle that uh, we just take our turns with him. He looked really tough. This movie loves single combat until a scene needs to end, in which case that's when all the soldiers rush a person. Yeah. But like... Ten guys will just come one after another up to a master fighter. The master fighter takes them down, and then the rest of the grunts are like, well, movie's got to get moving, so uh, let's all just rush him and hit him with our swords, like mm-hmm. we should have done at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, and this is like a trope, obviously, that's like been made fun of from like kung fu movies for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. like we're all just going to fight them one at a time. But for some reason, it feels even more egregious when the people standing around like, have swords and shields and armor. Like I would say, it's not a- as bad as like the Blade movies where uh, Blade is fighting all these presumably immortal bad guys who are all also former stuntmen <laughs> who <laughs> one at a time run at him and he's like dead, dead, <laughs> dust, ash. And you're like, man, they're immortal. You'd think that they would try and organize it or just run away and just outlive Blade, but I guess not. The uh, they I Stephen Dorff tells him. Go kill Blade, and they're like, fuck it, okay. Yeah, and of course, Dorf doesn't I'll help him. Dorf just goes fishing. <laughs> <laughs> or he plays golf. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of hobbies. <laughs> just the good two. For, good for him. Just the two. Good for him. Uh, he's enjoying his retirement. <laughs> now, he's got a long life as a, as a very short 
businessman. I, I will assume? say, I don't know. The yeah, one. I would imagine he was like a traveling salesman. <laughs> like, Some maybe where he was an accountant or a clerk or something like that. Yeah, yeah not a high profile job, but yeah, having no, he wasn't re- president. I mean, he's got a good pension. <laughs> ice, whatever it is. Yeah, he wasn't an ice dancer. <laughs> <laughs> he never he never starred in a Bond film. <laughs> sure. Now the Double O Dwarf, it's right there. Tim Conway, call me up. We'll make this together. So I mean, he's certainly going to play if they made a movie adaptation of the video game Goldeneye. He could easily play the odd job <laughs> character, <laughs> only uh, chosen by jerks. I like because he's, he's the, much shorter than everyone. He else. said the odd job character as if odd job was a type <laughs> and not a specific character. <laughs> now, Dan, I like remembering a simpler era, era in comedy where a comedic character could just have one thing about them, and that's that they're short. <laughs> like, oh, it's funny because mm. this guy is short. Speaking as a short guy, I'm kind of glad we're past that sort of yeah. uh, bigotry. Mm-hmm. Well, if you just well, you stood don't like up, bigotry, of course, because <laughs> yeah. it's you, big. Yeah, exactly, Dan. If maybe if you would uh, check your big person privilege. <laughs> If only you just stood up instead of walking around on your knees all the time, Elliot. It's my religion, Stuart. I'm a short guy. I walk on my knees. Do you know how hard it is on my knees? It hurts a lot. But that's the price I pay to worship my god, Dwarf. (laughs) (laughs) And yea, verily, did he go fishing. (laughs) Now, Dan, here's the thing I'll say about the kung fu thing where it's one person attacking at a time. When it's a kung fu movie, I totally buy it because they each want to show their skill. And it's it's an honor. It's... They get a certain amount of glory by being the one who took down this guy, and they all want their chance that glory. But yeah, this is a bunch of dudes with swords just standing around. Like, they're soldiers. They're, they're not— Yeah, they're an army. Yeah, of, of one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but finally, uh, now I thought Nicolas Cage was doing this to buy time for Hayden Christensen and the prince and princess to escape. Turns out they were just hanging around in the cave waiting for him to like die. Looking around. <laughs> just looking around at shit, and they walk outside. Uh, looks like things are going to go bad. Until the prince who has named himself king and declared that... So the prince who killed the king, he framed his young brother, and that's why his brother's on the run. Now the prince decides, you know what? I could have them arrested or killed right now, but why don't I show that I'm the best by going into single combat with Hayden Christensen? Yeah, and we've learned that this dude is fucking ripped. He is molded. Like, he looks amazing. He's like, yo... I'm going to do a Die Hard 2 training scene mm-hmm. where I'm like almost naked and battling <laughs> I mean, like five dudes. He's just not wearing dudes. a shirt. He's wearing pants the whole time. I mean, that's that's 50%, Elliot. <laughs> I think that yeah, counts as almost. naked. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I'm not that's wearing the, pants, I think to myself, I'm 50% naked that's right now. Is he wearing a like shirt but no pants? <laughs> that's right. I'm porky pigging him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was the original title for uh, the Winnie the Pooh books. Percent <laughs> naked. <laughs> that's what it's, that's what they're called in Japan. Fifty percent naked bear <laughs> and friends <laughs> and naked friends. Really, and when, young boy. And, and except for whatever the hell that thing is that Piglet's wearing, everybody's naked in that book except for Pooh. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Piglet. Yeah, Piglet's. Yeah, fifty percent naked pig. Small pig and bear friend. <laughs> Rated R. <laughs> For nudity, clearly. Dan, how many kids do you think went into Winnie the Pooh books and just drew penises hanging, flopping out? Mm. Was I the only one? <laughs> yes. All right, what about... Your mother and I have been meaning to talk to you about What about, about Carl Barks' Duck Comics? Oh, I mean, you know, that's natural. 
That's yeah. I mean, he's a very wealthy duck. Of course, he's got a penis. (laughs) No, of course he's got a penis because he's a wealthy duck. (laughs) Only the richest of ducks can afford them. (laughs) The maintenance alone costs into the I don't know duck coins. What kind of money do they use? Yeah, they use duck coins. (laughs) They use bitcoin. Number one dimes. (laughs) (laughs) Number one dimes. there wasn't. I wonder if someone would find this a listener. There was an old science fiction story that I think was in Asimov's in an issue of that about a person who had in the future who had to, you had to earn a certain amount of money to earn a penis. That it was a it was a women dominated world and the men were all kind of like worker drones who had to earn enough money to buy a penis. Well, somebody find that anyway. That, so the prince who is now the king decides I'm going to do single combat with Hayden Christensen. And he wins for a while. And but the then audience is like, yes. <laughs> the audience is like, kill Anakin. <laughs> Just wait for him to jump at you and chop off his arms and, and legs. And Anakin's like, from Shatter my point my of view, you're the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Hayden Christensen is thrown off because he doesn't know how to fight in a world without floating platforms over lava. Yeah. But he ends up winning. And he's a little distracted because earlier in the movie, he was in a scene with Sand, his greatest enemy, <laughs> because it gets in his butt. <laughs> I don't think that's the is line. Is that the line in, in episode yeah, yeah. two? I hate sand. It gets in my butt. Not like you. You don't get my butt. Unless I, unless unless, I let you. Unless, unless you're, you're into that, in which case I mean, we can talk about friend. it. I mean, Whatever. Let's, as long as we're safe with each other, I think we can really yeah, I mean, push our boundaries in the bedroom. Two consenting adults. And she's <laughs> like, mm, why don't you ride around on one of those weird tick cow things? Yeah, then we'll talk about the butt <laughs> later. <laughs> I don't think we're there yet, Anakin. <laughs> Annie. <laughs> uh, I'm just yeah. saying we could role play, and I could be a submissive in it. Yeah, we'll just All see right. what And she's like, Anakin. okay, well, I'm definitely going to be a Gamorrean. <laughs> <laughs> That's her thing. It's, let me play a bedroom game called The Rancor and His Keeper. <laughs> <laughs> yummy, yummy, I'm a Rancor. <laughs> Oh, I'm falling into the pit. I hope this Rancor doesn't take advantage yummy, of me. Yummy, yummy. I'm going to pick you up now. <laughs> the weird thing is the Rancor is the submissive one in that relationship. <laughs> yeah, I Because guess right. when you're that powerful, the real fantasy is to not be in the, in the seat of power. Oh, no kidding. Your real fantasy is to be at the mercy of someone else, to have that responsibility control, taken off their man. shoulders. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, that movie Face Off where the one guy takes his face off <laughs> and he puts on the other guy's it's face. It's nothing like that. <laughs> it's in no yeah, way he, like he, that. Yeah, he wanted to give up control. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's face. a lot like that movie uh, The Adventures of Milo and Otis where Milo and Otis have an adventure. <laughs> they take off each other's faces in that? <laughs> Yo, that was a scene that was cut from the, the sexual finishing. adventures of Milo and Otis. <laughs> the erotic adventures of Milo and Otis. <laughs> Featuring Milo, Otis, and Sylvia Crystal. Milo Minara, maybe. <laughs> hey Italian porn comics joke. <laughs> now, uh, so they have this single combat fight. Nicolas Cage wins. And at the last minute, so throughout the whole movie, there's been this running character of this one black guard member who thinks something's kind of fishy with the prince. And he just stands in the background of all the scenes and just has a concerned look on his face through the entire final fighting. He just has this concerned look on his face. And then... Finally, he makes his move, which is to tell the archers not to help the prince in his fight. And then when the prince is dead, he just says, like, 
Uh, this is after the prince kills the princess, who was steadily uh, developing kind of a like a love interest in Hayden Christensen. Thought he killed the princess, but then it, she seems to be at the end of the movie again. Oh, uh, really? I, I was. Think, I couldn't tell. I thought the movie ended when he built that that uh, the cairn of stones for Nicolas Cage. Yeah, and his wife, but not for the princess, who's still the alive. princess is there. Yeah. yeah, but she got stabbed in the tummy. That's like a death <laughs> sentence. Like Hayden Christensen also. Got totally stabbed. I mean, Hayden Christensen got stabbed so many times in this movie. He's like a pincushion. He's like yeah. a reverse porcupine. He's just getting stabbed like crazy. He's like a regular <laughs> Reverse Valentine. porcupine in it. Yeah. <laughs> and so by the end of it, uh, order has been restored, and the army bows to the will of this 14-year-old good-for-nothing who's mm-hmm. just been running around going, ha, 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 save me, protector. <laughs> <laughs> Pay no mind to the dirt on my face, for I am the <laughs> Prince Regent. Oh, this is just some ragamuffin, some street <laughs> Arab. Well, how can we listen to his comments? A washcloth, if you please. Kill him now. Before I die, might I ask for one final favor? A wet washcloth? <laughs> well, we're going to sacrifice him luckily for his temerity I, anyway. Luckily, I carry these because I'm a guard in the prince's blackguard. As a, as a lover of barbecue, I carry my own wet naps. Now observe my desmudgeoning. <laughs> <laughs> it is the prince. Oh, will you ever forgive me, sir? Take no. my life as payment for my misdeeds. <laughs> uh, and everything is right in the world. And yeah. uh, and Hayden Christensen is goes off again to continue his warrior's pilgrimage to ease his soul. The end. Yeah, I think we can go through Final Judgment. Is there like a, like a to be continued? No. No, thankfully. So who's the outcast in the movie, outcast? Hayden Christensen, I guess, but nobody casts him out. He kind of chooses self-exile. Uh, maybe Nicolas from Cage what? is the outcast? From, I mean, from Western civilization. <clears throat> yeah, he's just, I guess that makes sense, but they really don't point that out at any point. He's tired of all the killing, man. And but he keeps killing people. <laughs> yeah, but that's because he's so keep good at it. At no in. point is it a question that he's going to stop killing people. Look, some you know some men are just built for killing. That's the. I mean, I just, the fact that he still carries his sword around is kind of suspicious. And if they call an outcast, I would think at some point he would say something about how he left behind Western civilization. I think it's just kind of implied. Uh, I mean, they never really explain why he chose the Far East to go to. I guess he just it was the place he could walk to from the Middle East. Yes. He can't walk to England from there unless he had some kind of water shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but water shoes down. <laughs> water shoes down. Water <laughs> shoes down. Swarm, swarm. So, Dan, are we doing final judgments yeah, now? I was, that was what I was trying to do. If this is final a bad movie. Judgments. A bad, bad movie. Or a movie kind of like. Three options. Only one can can survive. Three uh, options enter, one option leaves. I'm not going to talk at length. I'm just going to say this movie was really boring. <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad. It was bad, bad. It was boring and cheap looking. And not even a few minutes of Nicolas Cage doing the broadest, worst English accent this side of Stuart's Daniel Craig impression <laughs> could save the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the exact opposite of my Daniel Craig impression. Not what I would say. Yeah, I'd say it's bad, bad. Pretty early on, I was like, if only Hayden Christensen got swapped out with Guy Pierce from Space Jail. But <laughs> that, that didn't actually happen. No. So I mean, if you can find a, like a YouTube compilation of Nicolas Cage in this movie and you just spend five minutes watching that, that might be That fun. might be worthwhile. It's, that's it's, the way you pitch a lot of movies, though. That's the, <laughs> that's if, the you movies. if you only watch the good parts, it's a good movie. <laughs> no, that's the way I pitch movies. 
All right. <laughs> All right. I'm the head of MGMUA. What's your movie pitch? <laughs> All right. I'm going to make a terrible movie, but it's just going to be boring. It's not going to have anything interesting about it. It's just going to be boring, except there's going to be Keep talking. seven minutes of it that are totally zany. <laughs> seven minutes? That's perfect for YouTube. That's literally the tail wagging the dog. <laughs> We've been looking for ways to go viral. That's right. So I'm going to make this whole movie, and then we're just going to release it and let someone else cut it down and put it on YouTube, and we're not going to make any money off of that YouTube clip. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> and that's my movie, guys. What do you say? Uh... How much does a movie cost, Elliot? Like a hundred dollars. Here's a hundred dollars. <laughs> Thanks. Now see you in hell. Bang, 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 bang. Go over and take that hundred dollar bill back. <laughs> and that's how the Silver Mountain Bandits got their start. Now, 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 now. I would go along with this bad, bad rating. It was super boring. It was super dull, uh, which is a synonym for boring, I guess. There's, <laughs> Call me super boring as long as I'm super. You had a character who... Thanks. <laughs> still looking at me, huh? <laughs> you don't call me late for dinner. It was a movie that seemed to be... <laughs> call me super boring. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> Why would I call you that unless you are? The power to be called that or not is in your hands. Don't be late for dinner. Dinner is at a set time. Be there at that time and I won't call you that. Just don't ever call me that. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't have a reason to. It's part of the leprechaun's curse. <laughs> Even if you were late for dinner, why would I call attention to it? More food for me. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking. <laughs> Why would I ruin a good thing? And it's just going to eat up minutes on your phone plan to call me. <laughs> Say late for dinner. <laughs> hey, is that you late for dinner? And then hang up. I hate that. I God. mean, text, but I've only got a limited number of texts You're per month. missing the upside. We get to call them super boring as much as we want. Okay, super boring. Uh, it was like the movie <laughs> was... Judy Bloom. What, <laughs> Tales of a fourth grade boring. It was like the movie was devoted to avoiding any sort of sense of humor or liveliness or fun and mm -hmm. wanted to be as stale as it could be, which is too bad. Because, like if they again, just, Nicolas Cage, bad English accent. If they, if they had just been like, yeah, this is in a fantasy world and ha include one scene with a character doing magic, I'd have been like, <laughs> great, perfect. <laughs> I listen to Bullseye because no show does a better job of showcasing the best creators we have today. It's like the liner notes on a favorite album, but for everything in culture. It makes me happy to hear music I've never heard before, voices I've never thought to listen to, and culture recommendations that are outside my comfort zone. That's why I listen to Bullseye. You should too. Bullseye's your guide to what's good from MaximumFun.org and NPR. So that was all of our final judgments. Dan, is this when we wrap up the podcast and no, go to bed? No, good night, everybody. Now to go to sleep in the bed we all share together. <laughs> Scoot over. Uh, I call dibs on the middle. <laughs> um, I call dibs on the one pillow. <laughs> wanted to uh, take a moment to plug the second Bell House live show that we've added to the roster. Now, why did we add this second show, Dan? Uh, because the first one sold out in five days. Oh, thanks to you guys. And, thanks uh, to the listeners and the buyers. I thanks, everybody. I sincerely hope, now that I'm plugging this, that the second show hasn't sold out in between the recording and the posting of this. Although I actually would not mind that that, that much. That would be so bad. Yeah. yeah. In the grand scheme of things. But, uh... Like having to watch Outcast again, or selling out before this thing airs, I'd pick 
I not watch Outcast again. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put Dan on the spot right now, Elliot, okay. and have him announce what movies we're going to watch on Friday and what movie we're going to watch on Saturday. Oh, um, oh. I'm going to arbitrarily say we have two movies you're gonna under. Fl- you're going to flip a mind coin. We've got two movies under consideration. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, Unless we told you another time. And the only question was which movie we're going to watch which night. I'm going to arbitrarily fairly say that we're going to watch and discuss the uh, Entourage movie on Friday. Okay. And Fantastic Four on Saturday. Oh, man. The Roger Corman Fantastic Four. Uh, no, the new one. The fan- oh, the new one, the Fantastic Four movie with like Jessica Alba as a no, as an the invisible woman. new new one. The one where the Silver Surfer rises all over your no, face. There's, uh, <laughs> there's a, oh boy. There's no, the one with the one with whiplash in it. Trank, Trask, Trinsk. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's got Josh Trank. Yeah, the it's got the Kate Mara and the Michael B. Jordan in it. And Whiplash. Who's Whiplash? Uh, from the film Whiplash. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, is in it. yeah, what's his name? Everlasting Beautiful Now or whatever it's he called. He plays Creed Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his arms Creed. wide open, way open. <laughs> that you sound like thanks, folks. Like my dad trying to explain <laughs> the Fantastic Four. Anyway, <laughs> then there's Sulin Storn. <laughs> She's um, the visible woman. You can see her no matter what's going on. I think that's Saturday Night Live bit. Oh, is it? Yeah. So there you go. Uh, okay, then she's the divisible woman. Two, you can cut her in it's half. Fresh. <laughs> Certified fresh, raw tomatoes. <laughs> you heard Flophouse Scoop, Flophouse exclusive. Two widely reviled films from the last year uh, discussed by us at the Bell House. So Friday, Friday, Entourage, Saturday, Fantastic Four. And so maybe if you got tickets to one and not the other, set up some sort of elaborate swap system if you prefer mm-hmm. the other movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting do, involved. Do swapsies. Um, hey, here's a thought. Uh, this is inspired by, um, a true story. <laughs> I read, uh, I read an article about, uh, the McElroys, uh, getting, uh, the McElroy brothers are friends from my brother, my brother and me and uh, our yeah. dudes. Yeah. Zone. Good they're, guys. Uh, Funny guys. Looks like they're in development for a, uh, show for NBC's, uh, <laughs> streaming comedy, uh, CISO. network. Yeah. Yeah. See. Yeah. So, which, uh, you know, raises the question, where's our. Where's our fucking show? <laughs> wow. I thought this no, was no, your congratulations. chance. Yeah, Congra- I thought this no, was I, your no, chance to congratulate him. I thought you were going to be nice to him. Gen- no, I genuine congratulations. No no one deserves it more than them. They uh, they make me laugh uh, every week, every time. I've, list- I've re-listened to several episodes. There, I dare say they're some of my favorite podcasters. But uh, we got to get on the fucking ball, guys. We got to get on the fucking ball. Uh, I like this- ball guys as much as the next guy. Uh, but this is all. This is all preamble. This is a to a, what? Where is this going? <laughs> this you, con- no, you ran none of this by us. This is a congratulations. This is, <laughs> this is, this is the, the most backhanded congratulations. This is off the top of the dome, guys. This is uh, 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 maybe let's go under the dome. It gets, it gets darkest <laughs> maybe this should before be kept the dawn, under Elliot. the dome. <laughs> congratulations to them. But also, uh, I was. <laughs> <laughs> is this like Dan's? He's Dan's... gotta keep one foot on on shore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dan, I was, oh, I forgot this. I'll congratulate re- them, but I gotta make sure everyone knows that we're important. Our too. new regular no, segment, Dan's not. fifteen minute crank. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was reading in this article uh, about. <laughs> wait, wait, in the, we're in the Times. <laughs> God damn it! Just let me. I was reading uh, an article about this. Uh, it was on their Candlelight Show, and they're talking about. Uh, also, 
how the McElroys had helped very much um, with a local charity. Uh, okay, uh, now take down charities. Yeah, the oh. My Brother, My Brother, and Me Angels. They, uh, I forget the name of the charity they helped out. It was a, a Christmas. What, what? The MBMAM Angels. Is yeah. that real? Or are you, yeah, yeah. You making it up? No, uh, that's what they say on the show. I just, uh, it really touched me to read that they had done that. I, uh, I appreciate it. Show me that. on this doll where it touched you. <laughs> I'm just saying that um, we have a certain amount of power on the show and we have never thrown it behind doing anything good. And uh, I want to take. Uh, a cue from those guys and say it's the holiday season <laughs> pay it forward <laughs> this is really this has been an emotional roller coaster ride this announcement <laughs> it went from hey congrats to those guys good for them fuck them where's our money they then they did something nice we don't do nice things maybe we should it's like I don't know where you're coming from Dan I don't know what <laughs> I'm saying it touched me the spirit, the spirit if the spirit moves you this holiday season why not uh, give to charity? Why not do something nice? Why not? Uh, Will you be doing that? I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> He's had a rough go. That's true. That's true. I know, but uh, I, I, in part, I think because I've had a rough go, in part because I'm feeling a little down this holiday season, I say, you know, the only thing that really makes you feel better is helping other people. So why not do that? I agree with a lot with parts of Dan's sentiment. <laughs> I agree with the. It's I feel nice like to help if people, I had been me. able to get through this without being interrupted, at <laughs> no, no way, have no. You were the one podcast have you been? At on? no point did we interrupt you in such a way that you had to drop f bombs, demand a show, <laughs> shit on the people that you were congratulating. I never shit on them. I never shit, shit on, on by implication. I shit on us. For not being as proactive as so, them. yeah, help out in your local community. Uh, <laughs> and special thanks to our network, Max Fun, the McElroy Brothers, uh, a variety of shows. My brother, my brother, me, Sawbones, Adventure Zone, uh, all the and all the other great shows on our network. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thankful Thank you, for. Thank you, Stuart, and for pulling of, us out of that death spiral. The Dan, Fargo, do not. <laughs> all the ships at sea. No, I don't. I don't. Well, I mean, that was really Walter Winchell. Yeah, I, I understand. Uh, I'm not going to argue with you. I feel like <laughs> the sentiment that I was expressing you, you, has been grossly distorted. You landed on a very nice sentiment mm-hmm. after um, a wild path through the skies. Uh, <laughs> was, you know what? Watching that was like a watching one of the a mo- watching Baby's Day Out or like a Mr. Magoo cartoon where someone is sleepwalking through a construction site and girders just happen to be falling into the right position for them to not fall to their deaths and then they finally get through it. Okay, See, I don't understand. Like you, you think you think that it was artless, but maybe maybe it was one of those uh, those monologues, those monologues that take you on an emotional journey <laughs> and then right. land you You're in the, the right Gene place. Gene Shepherd of our time. <laughs> Dan saying he intentionally did a heel turn. <laughs> to, to, to let us us show off what good guys I we know, were. Right. So we could be the baby faces. Yeah. Oh, God. I was down on ourselves. I was never down on anyone. Well, it was a real redemption ourselves. story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't even dead wanna, redemption. I don't even want to write. I don't even want to read letters now. Okay. So now's the. So I'm Elliot Kalen. That's Stuart Wellington. Dan, you and know you want to This is the letter segment of the show. Yeah, it goes like this. Starring you, the writer's in. <laughs> the writer's in? Is that a hotel? Yes, for writers of letters. Come on down to the writer's inn. Here's your room, typewriter included. Write a letter to the flop house. Room service costs extra. Thank you. Write them a letter and then check out. We got a lot of people who want to stay. Rooms rented out by the hour. 
Shouldn't take you more than an hour to write that letter at the Writer's Inn. The Writer's Inn is located on Writer Street, any town, America. Uh, Earth. (laughs) This letter is from Kim, last name withheld. She's from Melbourne, Australia. Oh, wow. Dear sophisticated New York perverts. I That's just us, I guess, yeah. I just finished listening to your Fifty Shades of Grape episode and was compelled to write to you. <laughs> Is that the supermarket brand of cola that we were drinking when we did it? As one of the most song-filled eps, and in my humble opinion, one of the funniest, it made me realize how gifted you all are musically. Listeners have long been aware of Elliot's perfect pitch and exceptional <laughs> lyrical skill. But by the sound of things, you other two floppers have untapped melodic resources. So I'm wondering if one of your future ventures might be collaborating on a Busby Berkeley-style musical extravaganza. In terms of story, I'd like to hear more of the illicit love affair between Tom Brokaw and Michael Caine. Perhaps the couple (laughs) could seek assistance from Sex Coast Gewirt Booington. I'm imagining Stuart atop a revolving bed singing about the joys of post-coital bean dinners. (laughs) And maybe a chorus line of Crypt Keepers could be involved somehow. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Hope you made it through this letter without too many interruptions, Dan. Well, this letter, not before. I'm rooting for you. Anywho, (laughs) thanks for the laps. Don't stop the the flop. Kim from Melbourne. Now, I like the idea of a chorus line of Crypt Keepers because their legs would fly off when they kicked because they're just a bunch of bones. Certainly. And I would like to be on a revolving bed because I've never been on one of those, and it, I think I would fall off or get sick. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a good way to have sex, a revolving bed. Yeah, I mean, Or sleep. <laughs> <laughs> How many people do you think get the revolving bedroom and they're like, I'm totally going to have sex, and then they get a little bored and just fall asleep on it, and then wake up and they're like, oh man, I was on a pizza all night. <laughs> <laughs> on a pizza all night? Yeah, yeah, because pizzas are around. Yeah. Did I... <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell both also, you- the bed is full of tomato sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did I tell both of you guys that after uh, my housewarming party, I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and I realized that I was sleeping on top of a bunch of coats I'd cleared out of the front closet? I read your popular Facebook post about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so, was that, that sexy? I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, did you think you you killed a guy and ate his entire body? <laughs> Nothing was left but the coat. <laughs> they're my own coats. Like I feel like, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're yeah, other, they're like discarded other skins. Coats, maybe it would like be, a snake. <laughs> I don't, this 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 answer is taking a weird turn. Uh, once again, <clears throat> who did that? So yes, I think we're incredibly musical. We're super talented. Somebody look. Where's our fucking Broadway show, Mel Brooks? Is that better? Okay. So thanks, Kim. Um, thanks for writing in, Kim. We appreciate that you like the show. This next letter is from Cecily, last name withheld. Tyson. Of Hi Tyson gang. Chicken. Hi gang. Hopefully, Elliot sang a little ditty or two before the reading of this letter. Although it seems like every time someone mentions the song of their letter, Elliot hasn't actually done it. But I'll take my chances. This time, the bet was paid. Yeah. Anyway. Like Wesley Snipes said, always bet on letter song. What are your opinions on remakes? I've noticed you've only covered a few. Are they always bad? Good in theory? What are some remakes you've seen that flopped spectacularly or that you actually enjoyed? I enjoy the pacing of the more recent Ocean's Eleven more than the original. I'm on the edge of my seat for the Citizen Kane remake starring Josh Gad as Kane and Shirley MacLaine doing her best Agnes Moorhead and Bewitched as Agnes Moorhead and Citizen Kane. Directed by <laughs> I mean, Shirley <laughs> MacLaine would be really good in their role. Directed by Zack Snyder, of course. 
Side note. In case you wanted to know, you've conquered the 17-year-old girl demographic. Congratulations. I happen to be one who stumbled across this on the AV Club like everyone else, and I'm trying to get more people to listen. Although, playing your take on Fifty Shades of Grey for my mom probably wasn't the best of ideas. (laughs) Sincerely, Cecily. Or Cicely. Yeah, that episode's pretty much in the no moms allowed category. Yeah, NMA. Unless you're a cool mom. Mm -hmm. One of those cool moms who lets their kids drink and is not a good mom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, unless they're over 21, in which case, you're still okay. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. Uh, the question th- is remakes. There, are, there are some good remakes, but like John like, Carpenter's The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing is an oh, yeah. amazing movie, and I would say as good as the original, if not even a little better in yeah, some ways. Yeah, it's better. It's a more f- practical effects, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's all the CGI in the fifties. The Thing. Yeah, I'm sick of those. Uh, there's also people forget that the Maltese Falcon with Humphrey Bogart is kind of a remake. It was the third version of that story. So you could say it was the first adaptation that was true to the Maltese Falcon, but it was the third Maltese Falcon movie. Yeah. They weren't all called Maltese Falcon, but but like I know you guys, Dan, I know you were a fan of the recent Fright Night remake. I say recent, that was probably like five years yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean now. like yeah. I'm not like a super huge fan, but I mean like the thing I liked is, like, it a lot. Yeah, I mean I like the original Fright Night. I like my, myself some Anton Yelchin. Uh, some David Tennant. Right. I mean <laughs> some Colin Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> that has the advantage of uh, being a uh, movie that's remaking, you know, a source material that's much beloved by me, but isn't like unimpeachably great or anything. Like it's, it's, it's a, I mean, the original Fright Nights are really fun. Movie. It's really fun, but it's fun in that way that, like, you know, I just like really love '80s horror comedies. So it's, it's like really difficult, me, and it's super difficult. Well, but for... then you could say it's a good movie if you like that kind of movie that it's of. Yeah, I mean, I don't like some like it hot, but it's a quality film in many ways. I'm impressed that Colin Farrell can step into the giant, sexy shoes of Chris Sarandon, (laughs) (laughs) super hunk of man. But yeah, I think that that movie's great. Uh, There's what are some other good? I mean, uh, there's other good. There are movies that like transform what the original movie was, like. You know, technically, something like Little Shop of Horrors is a remake of. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, you the, could say it's it, it means an adaptation of the stage show that was an adaptation of the original film. Yeah. But yeah, it's a remake, or like it's not the same as the original, and I prefer the original. But like Peter Jackson's King Kong, I like a lot. Like that's not a bad movie. It's just kind of like an overstuffed movie with one terrible sequence in it, that dinosaur stampede where the effects are really fakey. Yeah, because you're like. If I saw a stampede of dinos, I would go and try and hug them. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love them so much. Um, but there's some. But then they're like, I just the other day, I saw the uh, commercial for the Point Break remake. Mm. And it was like, I was like. It seems like, ill-advised. It was like, why would, I don't know why you would bother to do this. Like, there's a movie where it feels like, if people really want to watch Point Break, they can find Point Break. It is incredibly accessible and easy to find, like. I don't know that there's anyone crying out to do to see like a new version of that movie. You know, I think the the English language remake of The Ring is actually I would I would put it on par with the original. I Japanese like it more than the version. original. I find the original Japanese version very dull through most of it. So remakes, they're great always. <laughs> um, this uh, last letter of the evening goes like this: It, it is with a heavy heart that I write this letter. 
I've been campaigning for John McCoy to join the original Peaches on the Flophouse for almost the entire run of the show, for years. And now this. David, last name, sometimes withheld Kalen, the sports fan. Dan, you're John's kid brother. Did you ever think about that? Did you ever once think about that? <laughs> John's your older brother, and he was stepped over. John can handle things. He's funny, not like everybody says. Like, boring. He's funny, and he wants respect. John Syracuse, last name not withheld to prevent him from being confused with my brother. Um, I mean, I think that you're overlooking one important fact, which is David Kalen lives here, and my brother lives in Boston. Yeah, David lives in your apartment. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in uh, the dumbwaiter. <laughs> Stuff him in there at night. <laughs> Send him downstairs. Yeah, David lives in <laughs> That Queens. is some street-level marketing from uh, John Syracuse, a friend of your brother, John McCoy. Mm-hmm. I mean... Popular my, podcaster, John Syracuse. My brother lives Very in Boston, popular. or as I like to call it, New York Junior. So... <laughs> wow. Whoa. Take that, Bean Town. Hot take. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dan doesn't care whose toes Somebody he steps on Somebody call the fire tonight. department. <laughs> your bradley cooper oh, in damn. burnt that was a wicked burn <laughs> um yeah i know if you wanted to come up here over a period of time that we could fit him on the podcast i'm sure we could figure something out i mean you're the one with the, with the hookup <laughs> and the connection wow what, what an invitation <laughs> yeah john, i suppose if john maybe. if you're listening at his expense of course <laughs> john if you're listening i'm sure we could figure something out um no, he's great. He's got his own podcast, Sophomore Lit. You, you know. Now, I mean, we could out. have him on if we watched a movie that was an adaptation of like a like a high school reading list book. Mm-hmm. One, part of the I reason mean, we had David on was because it was a sports movie. Yeah, I mean, that's not necessarily his area of expertise. Uh, he does a, a podcast about it. What's his sure. area of expertise, Dan? Uh, he's being a, a jerky brother, <laughs> making fun of me. <laughs> he's a museum curator, so we could. Uh, have yeah, him if we watch like Night of the Museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that a flop? Night of the Museum Four. The curator steps in. <laughs> <laughs> the curator's revenge. <laughs> um, you know. He, uh, Do you know anything about your brother? His name's John. We know that much. What's your specialty as a museum curator? Mm, the good one. What's it? What's his favorite <laughs> okay. food? Maybe we can work with that. Yeah. Uh, Don't say pizza. Everyone that's says pizza. everyone's favorite. <laughs> Don't say Terminator Two. That's everyone's favorite. Everyone's <laughs> favorite food. Hi. Yeah. Who's his favorite X Man? Do not say Wolverine. Don't say rogue. That's yours. Yeah. Kitty pride. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's actually yours. Wait, that, that, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know what my brother has special. Okay. Well, maybe in. we'll have uh, John McCoy on for a special finding out his interests <laughs> podcast. <laughs> this be a podcast with just Dan and John finally having that talk they should have had years no, ago. No, the thing is, I'll my brother. Interrupt. The thing about my brother <laughs> is he has an extremely uh, long, broad. Oh. Uh, swath of knowledge in a lot of weird areas so uh much like you elliot he would be a good so you're saying he's gonna replace me uh um, you're saying i should kill him so he's not a threat anymore i'm not winking right now <laughs> wink sound <laughs> wink sound so those were some great letters guys we learned a lot about dan's family uh <laughs> remakes i guess and before that uh 
Uh, musicals, musicals, our musical talents. Yeah, musical stuff. Yeah. So, what's the next part of the podcast, Dan? I like this new thing called Stuart recaps the letters. <laughs> <laughs> Not very good at it. My memory's terrible. It's like uh, sometimes I get confused. It's like the segment on going deep with David Reese for the, what did we learn? That's what Stuart's doing. Yeah, except what? they they often say things that were not in the segment. <laughs> um, this is the part of the podcast where we recommend a movie that we actually liked, unlike uh, Outcast. Oh, I was going to recommend Outcast. Dan looks like he got a movie right on the tip of that tongue. Cue it up, cue it up, Dan. I do. I uh, watched the movie The Big Short uh, about Dorf. The Adam McKay uh, <laughs> film about the financial crisis of 2008. It was, uh, I found it very enjoyable. It's funny. It's informative. Um, it's got, you know, uh, a fun cast with uh, Christian Bale, Ryan Gosling, uh, uh, Steve Carell, some other dudes, Brad Pitt in a very small role. The weird thing, it's an interestingly structured movie because all of the big stars basically do not spend time together <laughs> like they're all in their own separate storylines and it's a gosling and yeah. grail have a few scenes together but that's about it it's a movie that is follows a, a a couple different groups of characters who yeah they interact thematically let's say yeah but most of them don't actually meet each other now adam it's mckay like really does Babel. like goofy will ferrell movies yeah that's true but uh this is how does he handle the slightly for the most part, well, I mean, like it's it's still Weightier. a comic movie, but it's uh, it's the comedy is more muted and more angry. I, I I didn't love all of it. I felt like, especially early on, it made some directorial choices that were a little showy to ends that I wasn't sure I understood. Like, there's a lot of uh, montages of found footage that are just sort of tossed in. That I'm not quite sure what well, that's in the beginning all about. a lot of it was to show the passage of time yeah and i think also to show like the people that are being affected by the financial crisis a little of that maybe a little of that but also the things that people were focusing on rather than what was going on in the finance industry yeah that like here's the stupid shit that you were paying attention to when you should have been keeping an eye right. on the financial industry but th- there was a lot of that and a lot of like sort of like shaky cam and like flashy camera movements that I felt like were more distracting than they were uh, helpful. Tracting. But, but they were, I mean like... The but, opposite of distracting. But for the most part, the movie takes what could be a very sort of off-putting subject matter or just sort of difficult subject matter and makes it uh, fun. I do think that like also, Elliot and I were discussing that the movie like really wants you to understand everything very much at the front of the movie, like even to the point of over explaining things that maybe don't need to be explained so much. And then at the end of the movie, some of the stuff that happens sort of happens and you're like, wait, what, what did that mean? Does it, does the movie begin with like a monologue? Like my grandmother always told me of a prophecy of a financial uh, collapse. It doesn't, (laughs) but it is, it does start with, it does have narration with uh, Ryan Gosling. I mean, in a certain way, like, some of it reminds you of something like Goodfellas in that like it has like Well Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I mean like well narration is like something along yeah, like a Scorsese movie along those lines that is about process where, you know, different people trade off narrations and you're you're seeing the inside of a certain um like how a certain world works. And the yeah. movie's pretty good at doing that. Uh, but it's, it's it's fun. It's a fun movie for for the Certainly for the subject matter. 
Okay. Yeah. Do you well, want to go next door or should I? Yeah, I'll go next. So the holidays are a coming. So I think it's time for <laughs> uh, you. My holiday's already over, dude. Uh, the holiday of Cagemas. And I think you all should treat yourself to a special little treat. Now, you guys all know, anybody who knows me, <laughs> knows that I'm a real big fan of the MMCU. That's the Magic Mike Cinematic Universe. <laughs> and tonight I'm going to recommend a little movie called Magic Mike XXL. Which is the second installment, I believe, in the MMCU. Uh, and the boy, does it build on to... Movies. Well, according to Stuart, the uh, 21 and 22 Jump Street are part of the Magic <laughs> Mike. Extended universe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you were in the mood for some sweet hard bodies doing Go some sweet dancing... hard bodies. Run out. Don't run hard bodies. It is disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Those bodies are quite soft. Rent. Uh, Magic Mike XXL. Now, one of the things that's kind of great about this movie is it's a movie that features the lowest stakes imaginable. <laughs> this is a group of male entertainers who are heading, oh, magicians. heading to Myrtle, Myrtle Beach for a, not even a competition, just a, uh, just a conference. <laughs> a conference. <laughs> a, uh, a, a, uh, like a yeah, a conference basically where they're they're just going to participate in a bunch of stripping and <laughs> entertaining, and there's no like it's not like anybody's trying to save their rec center. There's no villains at all, and it, beca- <laughs> the it villains becomes villains are clothes. It becomes <laughs> this weird little road movie where Get they're like, <laughs> where pretty quickly Channing Tatum chest. is like, you know, I'm I put this all behind me. But now that Dallas and the kid are out of the way, maybe I'll go get back together with these guys, with uh, Big Dick Richie and Animal and the rest. <laughs> We're getting the gang back together <laughs> yeah. to strip. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, they head to Myrtle Beach, and uh, there's a lot of stripping. Big strip. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty body positive, and uh, yeah, it's super fun. Yeah, well, if you body fucking bodies positive. like these guys, of course it's body positive. <laughs> uh, yeah, about? I'm positively interested in their bodies. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so it's super fun. I totally recommend it. <laughs> Magic Mike X XL. Now it's called that because they all let themselves go between the movies. And they now wear extra extra large clothes. Uh, no. Well, I wish. <laughs> As I said before, I like gummy bear bodies. <laughs> no, I hadn't seen. I still haven't seen either of the Magic Mike movies. Uh, but I, for a while, I, I you thought they were about wizards. <laughs> <laughs> I was like magic. I love it. A magic microphone that can make your voice sound beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me sound like a robot. <laughs> uh, where do I buy that? The uh, I wasn't sure if it was a new movie or if it was like they re-released the movie with more footage. Mm-hmm. But it's a new movie. It is a brand new movie. It's not just like it Magic Mike lighter, special It edition. is lighter in tone, whereas the first movie was a little bit serious. Uh, I think Dan recommended it on the podcast earlier. Uh, not this podcast, on a different episode. Uh, no, I did subliminally. But it's a Steven Soderbergh <laughs> movie. Boy. Every now and then he's just going, Magic Mike. <laughs> and there's... <laughs> And and the first movie, there's a it's a little bit like there's a little bit of a dark edge to it. Um, plus, there's still a ton of stripping. Um, but this one, there's no dark edge. It is nothing but smiles, smiles <laughs> for miles. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of dark edges, it's time for me to recommend my movie, a movie that at times gets very dark. And there's a lot of edges that are used to cut people in different ways. Uh, and it's a movie called Bone Tomahawk. Now, this was uh, oh, yeah. recommended to me specifically by a podcast listener and friend of mine, Brendan Hay, who said, make sure you see this one. And it did not disappoint as a Western, a very dry Western horror movie uh, that is 
weirdly kind of paced and structured by enjoy but very enjoyable where most of the movie is a bunch of characters played by Kurt Russell and Richard Jenkins and Matthew Fox and Patrick Wilson on a quest to find uh, some townspeople who were kidnapped by a tribe of troglodytes uh, who are just like savage cave people who I guess live in the American West. Yeah, that makes and, sense. Uh, there, who are there's no mystery to what happened. They get kidnapped, and the next day, someone walks in and is like, "Oh yes, and troglodytes did it." Like, the, uh, and they are yeah, trog hog. Extra, extra. A lot of it is them facing just the dangers of being traveling in the West and getting to know each other and the different personalities. And then, but once it gets to the violent part, it erupts in violence, and it becomes super gory and like super almost gothic horror in some ways. It's like you had a movie that, uh, it's like you had a fil- a script that like Howard Hawks had worked on in the 70s and then the Coen brothers that did like a gloss on the dialogue and then they just brought Joe R. Lansdale in at the end to like really make it gruesome. Uh, and that I sounds great. Bone, I think, if Stuart, if you haven't seen it, I think you'd like it a lot. Yeah, I gotta watch it. It's called Bone Tomahawk. Uh, great. Rated R. It's gross. Is gross. So, what do Just we do now, three Dan? Movies perfect for the holidays: the financial <laughs> crisis, male strippers, and troglodytes. Troglodytes in that order, butchering people. Yeah. Um. Now we uh, sign off. Another year, another year come and go. Another year in the can. Of the year, yeah. I've been for the Flophouse <laughs> podcast. That was abrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, what are our Weird. movie resolutions for next year? Yeah. Um. For 2016. Year of the Flop. Let's make it Year of the Flop. The Year of the Flop House really takes it to the next level. Okay, what are we going to do? How do we do that? Writers or listeners, <laughs> write in. Tell us how we take it to the next level, because yeah. I don't know either. And this will be the year that we probably stay take on down those beloved McElroys <laughs> I love with all my heart. Or maybe we'll just, maybe this will just be the year that we find a sewer pipe that lets us skip a couple boards. All right. Uh, yeah, so for the Flop House podcast, <laughs> I'll be skipping them boards. I'm Stuart Wellington. I've been Dan McCoy. And now, worried for the lives of the McElroys, I am Elliot Kalen. <laughs> what are you? Peace. Skin. <laughs> <laughs>
The rapture. Zombie apocalypse. How to survive an EMP. What if a disease takes over the dead? How to survive a food shortage. The people who eat other people. So don't get freaked out. We're going to tell you how to get through it. We're comedians first and, you know, aspiring preppers second. Join us. So tune in every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org, iTunes, or wherever podcasts are sold.